You're here with Pure Grace with Kitty. Today we're going to be looking at Job chapter 3 and talking about friends. Well, thank you for joining me today. Um, I want to apologize for um, coming in late. Uh, I'm choosing this topic today because of things that have been going on in my life um, as it is right now. So let me share with you um, and let's thank God for bringing us together here today. And I want to thank anyone who has encouraged me to stand up and share what I can to carry out God's will for my life. And most of all, I want to thank the Lord Almighty who sent angels into my life to push me to reveal his message at a time such as this. I am grateful for it all. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I'm going to read Job. Chapter 6, Round 1, Job's Second Speech Then Job responded, If only my grief could be weighed, and my devastation placed on the scales with it, they would certainly weigh more than the sand of the sea. No wonder my words have been rash. The arrows of the Almighty stick in me. My spirit drinks in their poison. The terrors of God are lined up against me. Does a wild donkey bray when it has green grass? Does the ox bellow when it is near its fodder? Is tasteless food eaten without salt? Is there flavor in the white of an egg? I absolutely refuse to touch it. It is no better than sickening food. If only my request would be granted. If only God would grant me what I hope for. That God would decide to crush me that he would unleash his hand and cut me off, for then I would still have this comfort. Even as I writhe in relentless pain, I have not denied the words of the Holy One. What strength do I have to wait hopefully? What end awaits me that would make me want to prolong my life? Is my strength like stone or is my flesh bronze? I have no power to help myself since the hope that I can recover has been driven far away from me. A despairing person should receive loyalty from his friends, even if he forsakes the fear of the Almighty. But my brothers are as undependable as gullies that dry up, undependable as seasonal streams which overflow when they are darkened by ice and swollen with melting snow. But as quickly as they flood, they dry up in the scorching winds. When it gets hot, they vanish from their channels. Caravans turn aside from their routes. They go off into the empty wasteland and perish. 
the caravans of Tima search for these dreams. The travelers of Sheba hope to find them. But despite being confident, they are disappointed. They arrive there only to be frustrated. Now that is what you are like. You have seen something dreadful and you panic. I have said, give me something or offer a payment on my behalf from your wealth. Have I said, save me from the hand of my enemy or redeem me and of the ruthless? Teach me and I will be silent. Help me understand what I have done wrong. How painful honest words are. But what does your rebuke prove? Do you intend to attack me for mere words by treating things said by a despairing man like wind? No doubt you would even cast lots for a fatherless child and barter away your friend. But now, please look at me. I would not lie to your face. Turn to me and get rid of an injustice. Turn to me. My righteousness is still intact. Is there any injustice on my tongue? Wouldn't my mouth detect it if I were speaking destructive words? And I chose to um, read that today because I want to talk about um, friendship. In my lifetime, I had to um, move quite a lot without my choice in the matter most of the time. As a child, my father um, moved us from place to place. We never stayed in any one place too long. And I would make friends and things would be going really well. And we would get really close. And soon as I thought I had, you know, one of those lifetime friends that you want to do everything together, that you share so many interests and you understand each other. We would find out that we were moving and not just to the other side of town. It was usually across state borders to places hundreds of miles away from where we were before. And so every time that would happen, there were lots of goodbyes and I would have friends who I would keep up correspondence with. Back in the day, we used to write letters. We didn't do email. We didn't have that. Um, we used to write letters. And if we were fortunate, um, we would make a phone call. But that would be something of great expense. At the time, um, making a long-distance phone call was quite costly. Um, but anyhow, I... In my childhood, from the time, you know, I came into this world and to the time um, I left home, I lived in 11 different houses, 11 different neighborhoods, and um, always had a friend in the place that I left behind that I would write letters to. But unfortunately, most of them... I never saw again. I ended up marrying a military man, a man in the Navy, 
I said I was never going to do that. And now they tell you, you know, never say never. And so that led to a life that I guess I was prepared for. But being that my family was Christian in name only, we didn't really um, live a Christian lifestyle in that we were good people. We were raised to have manners and we were raised to be kind to other people. But we didn't have any kind of faith life. I wasn't trained in, you know, how to be a Christian. And that's another story. And I've told some of that before. But um, in that military lifestyle, the same thing happens. You spend two or three years in a location and you make friends. And then it's time. Husband comes home with orders that say, okay we're moving. You know, first it was South Carolina. Then from South Carolina, we went to Mayport, Florida. And from Mayport, Florida, we went to San Diego. From San Diego, we went to Hawaii. From Hawaii, we went to Virginia. And from Virginia, we came to a standstill. But let me go backwards. Each one of those places, I made good friends. And something unique happened when we went to Hawaii. In Hawaii, you are kind of isolated. You can't just get in the car and drive away somewhere to go see your family or the friends you left behind. And my husband was on a ship, and so he wasn't home much. And there's a different kind of spirit there in the community. We, they always call it the Aloha spirit, where um, people look out for each other. So when I got to Hawaii, um, the first thing that happened is the house that the military had for us wasn't ready for us to move in. And so we had to live in a little... Um, long-term hotel and it wasn't the nicest place I've ever stayed in it wasn't horrible but it was kind of tough because the kids were in school and so we had to live in the hotel and kids going to school back and forth they had to ride a bus and they didn't have their toys because our household furniture hasn't arrived to the island yet and somebody that found out that we were arriving with two kids um, that was she was a spouse whose husband was also stationed on the same ship she already was in Hawaii ahead of us and she found out where we were and without knowing us she came in and she brought a box of barbies for my daughter and a box of legos for my son and it was just the perfect thing it was like she knew us forever and for me she came and uh started a friendship one of the things with that friendship was that at this time i was a christian but i still um, didn't have a very strong faith life, but that's what she brought to me. She brought me Jesus um, in her words and her actions, and she was so kind. So when we finally moved into our house, we ended up being in the same neighborhood. 
And so she invited me to come with her and join this little ladies club. We joined the ladies club together. And from that ladies club, there were five of us that became really good friends. In that club, they had an annual um, meeting where they recognized, because this was a service organization, and they recognized every year people who had gone above and beyond um, in the things that they did in the community um, whether it was volunteering at a hospital or um, um, helping the less fortunate. This friend of mine that brought me into this club, not only did I recognize her um, generous nature and her giving heart, but this group of women also recognized that. And we were reading some Christian author books at the time, and I can't think of the author's name off the top of my head, but there's a book, um, and she's written uh, quite a few books. This woman who wrote, uh, Get the Hammer, Mama, there, Papa, There's a, or Get the Hammer, Mama, There's a Fly on Papa's Head. And in that book, there was a story about the feet. And, um, if you recall, the Bible talks about thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And the importance of our feet and how they hold us up. Also popular at that time was a movie um, called Stripes. And I wouldn't watch that movie today because it was not a wholesome movie. But there was a funny scene in that movie that was talking about the feet, especially the big toe. And so um, anyway, my friend was uh, elected to be the what they called the woman of the year and she's going to get an award and because I was in the same chapter of this group that she was in they came to me of the five of us they came to me privately and said can you write an introduction for um, my friend so that we can um, announce the woman of the year so I wrote the introduction and I didn't know I was going to get the response I got but apparently it was very entertaining and I might read it to you again one day but um, because there were only five of us in our chapter the chapter had, um, because of military life the chapter had gone down to five and these women were closer to me than anybody I've had in my lifetime and so I laid out on the table at the banquet where we were all going to announce the woman of the year. I laid out tags on the table and gave attributes for each toe um, of the foot, you know, and I went through and my friend who was going to be woman of the year in her place, um, I wrote big toe. And then we have another friend who was always, she was a professor 
um, an English professor at one of the universities there. And she was always pointing out things to us. And so we called her the pointer toe. And then I'm always kind of naughty. And so I became the middle toe. And then we have um, another one of the gals. She's just always so thoughtful, but she, you don't hear much from her, but she's just full of love, you know, and she's just sweet as can be. So we made her the ring toe because the ring is the love finger or toe or whatever. And then the last is another just wonderful gal and she's just really small and petite. And so we called her Pinky. Also, she liked to wear pink. That was the other thing. And um, so I got up and to do my announcement and I had a speech Well, my friend that was being um, made woman of the year at the time worked as a crossing guard. And so I started out, yeah, she stands around on the street corners and these things. And I don't even remember right now all the things that I, I said. I have to get the speech out and read it again. But um, then I started naming the different gals in the group in our chapter. And, you know, from Pinky to ringtoe um, and started revealing who each one was by their personality until I got to um, the big toe because she is always the leader that always leads us on our path. You know, she always corrects us back to Jesus. And um, anyway, so this friend is just so dear, um, but it was a big hit. And so now forever, these are five friends. We call ourselves the toes. And so when we ever meet somebody new and we ask if they're toe worthy, um, it, it means something special. <laughs> so not all your friends are toe worthy. You know, some of your friends, um, maybe, maybe they're, they're just acquaintances, but, you know, God tells us to love one another. But what I want to say here, not just about that friendship, so kind of for the first time in my life, and let's see, that was back in, was that in 90, probably 94? So the five of us have been close friends ever since then. And I've never had anything like that. But one of the things that's happened and has triggered something, and this is what I hope that maybe some of you can, we can discuss this in a few minutes here. But um, one of the things that's happened for me personally, you know, friends share their difficult moments. And um, it takes a real special friend to get through some things together. Um, you know, you're not always going to see eye to eye with everyone. But this special kind of friend that I call a toe friend um, is one that's going to work with you through those difficult times. But um, I've been a little bit absent and late and all these things going on because a couple weeks ago, um, my daughter had to have a hysterectomy. And she has two kids. And so, and her husband's in the Navy 
And so he's not very available right now. And because of differences and things that have been going on in the world, which I think many of you share, you know, we're, we're living in a world where um, uh, there are two sides, kind of there's this divide going on based upon things having to do with health care and medical. And I don't want to get into that today, but it has created a few things for me. You know, my daughter's on one side and I'm on the other. And I try not to get into those conversations that um, will hurt our relationship because she's my daughter and I'm going to love her through, you know, no matter what. But I wanted to bring up this thing with his hysterectomy because um, back in 2000, I was having some of these similar health issues that she's been experiencing for a few years, and she's still younger than I was when I had mine. But um, between 2000 and 2002, my marriage hit a spot that I never thought it would be in. And when that happened, I felt like my whole world had been destroyed. But it was also a time that I felt like everything had been taken away from me. You see, we had come from Hawaii, and then we were sent to a place in Virginia that's very isolated. And I didn't have my friends there with me. It was so isolated that there wasn't somebody there to be friends with in person. So I wrote a lot of letters, a lot of letters constantly and making phone calls when I could. And then my husband took some orders that we had to move away from where we were but we couldn't go to where he was for three years. And when we took those orders, um, me and my two kids who were teenagers at the time kind of got left behind and we didn't know what to do. So my family was living in Texas and I was hoping that it, things would work out because um, my father offered, well, if you're going to be alone, why don't you um, move in with me? And then that didn't work out. And my mother offered, oh, maybe I can move in with you. And my parents were divorced at the time, living in two separate houses. So anyway, that didn't happen either. And... My friends, my toe friends, you know, they were in other parts of the country, Hawaii and Washington State. And so it, it, I didn't know what to do when I was having some issues, like my daughter was recently having the things that led up to my hysterectomy. And uh, on top of that, I thought my husband was going to leave me. And here I was alone, estranged from my 
my parents and my kids as teenagers, they didn't, they weren't that concerned about what was going on with me. And I really didn't know anybody. So it just so happened that my husband had an aunt that, that lived in the San Antonio area. And so I had a meltdown. And I was angry with the world because of it. And I didn't know what to do. So I called up his aunt because I didn't have anybody that I could talk to. And his aunt was so compassionate and she became such a close friend. And she's in heaven now, but because of the influence of my friend, my toe friends, and they're always praying for me and petitioning God to help me out from a distance. Um, uh, they led my husband's aunt to be with me. Her name was Melvina. <laughs> it's a, a unique name. Anyhow, so Melvina, one of the first things she said to me was, you know what I think? I think you would really like my pastor. Can you come meet my pastor? And I went to go meet him. And that's where I returned to Jesus. And it's been a long journey because that was 2000. But in 2002, while my love for Jesus was growing, and by that time, um, both of my children had accepted Jesus into their life as well. Um, but in 2002, I finally had that hysterectomy that saved my life again. And, um, but right now it's been bringing up a lot of these feelings and it's one of the things that I've discovered and I don't know why I do this, but I'm starting to learn why I do, you know, all those years of every time things were getting really good, you know, then I have to leave the friends that I'm getting close to. And I think that's what's happened here. It triggered the memory of that time. That time when I was just feeling so alone. After thinking I had a lot going for me. And so I guess I've had too much time on my own. And I'd gone through some tough things again. I'm watching my daughter now going through some difficulties, which from what I can see are similar, but nowhere near as difficult as what I had faced at that time. It's triggering this, um, all I can say is this irresponsibility, I guess this need to want to retreat away from my friends. I don't want them to see me feeling sad because right now I don't have anything to feel sad about. I'm so happy because the Lord has helped my daughter through this surgery. She's talking about how all her pain has gone away and everything has been improved. But why is it that when things are going so well, all these bad memories start coming up and then, then I stopped being a friend to other people. 
and I don't know why I do this. I've been letting my friends down lately, being late or canceling. And some of it's been because I've gone back into this grief of all the things that it was related to. And I don't know why. So that's what I want to ask you. If there's anybody out there that um, has had this happen to them where for some kind of unexplainable reason when these same feelings or you see these same situations, you allow yourself to um, feel the hurt again. It also points me to, um, you know, Jesus' sacrifice. And, you know, during this time of Lent, we're here doing a lot of reflection. You know, the things that led Jesus to the cross. You know, what, what, and I'm not saying anything in any way that I'm anything like Jesus for sure, you know. What I'm saying is, is that I'm seeking forgiveness, forgiveness for my friends, but especially Jesus for feeling like I let them all down. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are. Um, you know, in Third uh, John chapter 1, verse 11, it says, Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does what is good is from God. The one who does what is evil has not seen God. So I think I am trying to do what's good. But um, yeah, it's an unexplained feeling. And I think it may also have to do with uh, what goes on, you know, also, you know, I've talked before, but about it, but um, I did not have a very good relationship for most of my life with my mother. And my father was a very distant man and he tried to love as best as he could. But um, my mother was raised in some difficult circumstances and, you know, she was born in the depression her family couldn't afford her, so she was sent to live with her grandparents, and then her grandmother died, and and her grandfather wasn't able to take care of her because he was a working man. And so she got shuffled around a lot, and then between the ages of 10 and 12, she was taken in by another family, never adopted or anything. They, they just... Um, gave her food and a place to sleep most of the time. And at some time in her life, um, one of the two sisters of that family uh, became 
they had a bitter fight over something and I'll never understand what actually happened, but I think it has some things to do with some choices my mother made. And so I, I have this pattern of, of, yeah, when things are going good or something difficult happens, I tend to retreat. And, um, you know, I'm doing better about leaning into God. But one of the things that happened, so in 2019, in February, and maybe this is part of it too, February 2019, I got a call to stop everything that I was doing and um, come to the hospital in Houston. And by that time, I was here in Jacksonville, Florida, stop everything I was doing and come, my mother was in the hospital, and they said she probably, maybe will live about two more weeks, but I needed to get there as soon as possible. So I dropped everything, told them I was going to turn in my family leave papers, and when I find out what's happening, that I was taking, you know, emergency leave to go um, be with my mother, and we spent 10 days at the hospital and then they had to put her in hospice care from home because things were just kind of staying the same. And in hospice care from home, when I started taking care of her in her house, she started improving a little bit, but she still needed the care. So my brothers and I decided that we were going to pack up her house. And she lived beyond the next 10 days. And they kept saying, oh, it'll be 10 more days. But during all that time, it's like, well, I don't know what's happening. And I need to go back home. I had turned in the family leave papers and said, you know, maybe two weeks, three at the most is what I'm going to need. And... Um, by this time in March in 2019, we had her house all packed up and all her belongings dispersed or in storage. And she came home with me, long drive, but had a friend that came to help and brought her home to my house. And they reported to my office again, you know, I, I've got to stay on leave until I can figure something else out because she's still hanging in there. Well, nobody said anything that, um, uh, they didn't get my leave papers. Nobody said a thing. Anyhow, so I'm taking care of my mom. In the meantime, she starts calling me mommy. But she says, no, I know you're my daughter, but, you know, never had, I never had a mommy. She says, you've been the best mommy I've ever had. In the meantime, some of my friends came through for me in so many things. And some of them are told friends, <laughs> like I said, the kind of friends that, stick with you no matter what. 
but none of them live here. And so it was a big challenge and don't have a very good relationship with my brothers either due to other situations, but that's not for today. And, um, but I have a friend that did give me a lot of comfort during that time, but I guess because of all the things all at once right now, my daughter and her surgery, and this being the anniversary of my mother's, my mother coming into my care, you know, she ended up living until May 29th, well past the <laughs> February 28th date that she was given originally. Um, but we were given a chance to repair the friendship we should have had as mother and daughter. But then now during this time, I'm on thin ice, I guess, with my own daughter. And now because of my own, I guess, retreating, um, one of my toe friends and I are in a little bit of a misunderstanding and I, I'm having a really hard time with, with that. She didn't understand. I've been with her through grief and she didn't seem to understand um, me talking about uh, being now in the stage of acceptance in my grief. But sometimes you go backwards a little bit and sometimes you go forward a little bit. Proverbs 18 says, A person who is a loner seeks his own desires. He fights against all sound judgment. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but only in revealing his own opinions. When a wicked person comes, contempt comes with him, and with dishonor comes disgrace. The words from a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a flowing stream. It is not good to show favoritism to a wicked person in order to deprive a righteous person of justice. A fool's lips enter a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are a trap for his soul. The words of a gossip are like delicious food. People gobble them right down. A person who fails to do his work is a brother to a vandal. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. A righteous person runs inside and is protected. A rich person's wealth is his strong city. In his imagination, it is like a high wall. Before destruction, a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. If a person answers before he listens, that is foolishness that brings disgrace. A man's spirit can endure illness, but who can bear a broken spirit? A discerning heart acquires knowledge, and the ears of the wise seek knowledge. A person's gift opens doors for him. It leads him into the presence of great people. The first person to state his case appears to be right. Then his neighbor comes and cross-examines him. Casting lots ends disputes and decides between powerful people. 
a brother who has been wronged is harder to regain than a strong city. And disputes are like a bar across the gate of a citadel. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied with the harvest of his lips. Life and death lie in the power of a tongue, and who, those who love to use it will eat its fruit. The man who finds a wife finds a good thing, and he obtains favor from the Lord. A poor man pleads for mercy, but a rich man answers harsh, harshly. A man with many acquaintances may suffer harm, but there is a loving friend who sticks closer than a brother. So I think that kind of sums up the things that I've been feeling recently. I want to, I feel like I've been retreating into that strong city, right? The Lord is a strong tower. Um, I think I've been retreating into that place because that's the only place to find the healing is in his word. Sometimes I don't have the words, but right now I'm just seeking forgiveness, forgiveness from my friends who I've let down. Um, I know it's so hard sometimes, you know, to find, find the right words to say. I never want any harm for anybody and and it, it has nothing to do with evil hearts it's all about me being too full of myself instead of reaching out to others and making sure that the others are okay like I used to but I think at some point um, we just ask for Jesus to mend our broken spirit and bring us back to life in him. So, <laughs> I, I don't want to um, make this a sad thing because the wonderful thing is, is that today my daughter gets to drive again. She's out of pain. Um, her kids are so wonderful. I'm so proud of all my grandkids. Um, but uh, it's all because Jesus has healed us, either through the hands of the doctors that have taken away the physical pain or through his word that softens the blow that gives us the forgiveness that we seek, whether those friends haven't had a chance to um, process it yet. So today, I thank you for being here. I was a little late coming on today, but um, hopefully things will be a little better now that my daughter has independence again. Uh, but in the meantime, I want to thank you all for your forgiveness and for your love. 
but mostly for the Lord's love. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, according to your will and promise, you sent your Son into our world to atone for sin and restore eternal life. You planned his path to the cross, and he followed it perfectly. He confronted the blindness of unbelief, the confusion of doubt, and the hurt of death, but was not deterred as he proclaimed your kingdom to the least, the last, and the lost. As we hear and think about the holy record of our Savior's passion and death, use the sharp message of the law to empty us of pride and self-reliance and humble us as we view the Savior in his humility, remembering and believing that he was the one on the cross. He was on the cross so that we might be freed from the horror and the pain. In Christ's suffering, show us our healing. In his grief, show us our joy. And in his death, show us our life. Hear our prayers, Lord, for the sake of Jesus. Amen. You know, I've had an earworm today. Um, and I don't know why this one is so heavy on me today. But let's see. Should I share it with you? Maybe I'll share it with you. Uh, oh. There we go. Have you heard this one? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there? When they crucified my Lord. Oh, 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 sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified? my lord okay <laughs> that one always makes me feel good even though it's kind of sad it reminds me of what jesus has done for us so i thank you for joining me here this has been pure grace with kitty and i'll see you again next week Thank you.